Hello everybody and welcome to Sound of Play. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 215 is the composer for Telling Lies, Nanita Desai. Welcome to Sound of Play. Hello, Leon. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm privileged to be number 215. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We don't always have such a a high profile guest, but we've had a great run recently of uh, high profile composers and high profile games, such Mm -hmm. as Telling Lies. Uh, And well, I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, this is the follow up uh, for Sam Barlow to her story and it's a kind of spiritual successor mm-hmm. um, he's described it Sam Barlow as a combination of the films The Conversation f- uh, Francis Ford Coppola's of course from 74 and uh, Steve McQueen's Shame as well um, but what preparation or research did you do before beginning to compose for Telling Lies were those also inspirations to you or did you look elsewhere yeah, no, absolutely, Leon. Um, I only dealt with Sam. Uh, there were no other people on the development team. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there was Furious B, but they were ha- ha- handling the, the game engine and the more technical side and other aspects of the uh, game development. Yeah. Um, so from a creative uh, point of uh, standpoint, uh, Sam was my point of contact, and he enticed me uh, into the game by saying, would you like to write the music? for an interactive movie at which point I jumped at the opportunity because I actually started off writing uh, music for games um, while actually doing sound actually doing sound effects for games many many moons ago over Mm. 20 years ago and uh, then I that introduced me a little bit into writing music as well but then my career digressed and I've been writing music for uh, film and TV for linear entertainment for over 20 years and now I've come full circle into my first big game so as a composer you're really uh, I'm really wanting to sort of experiment and dabble and in, uh, in in forms uh, and forms of entertainment that push me creatively and technically and so in terms of inspiration uh, obviously Sam mentioned the conversation which was a huge seminal uh, influence for me when I was growing up actually because mm. I love sound and I, I, st- I also worked as a sound designer on feature films and um, uh, on sort of major Hollywood movies and things mm. and um, and I actually got to work with one of my heroes uh, Walter Murch and right. so I came at film and TV and visual forms of entertainment from a sound perspective so the conversation was, uh, was one uh, form of inspiration but other sort of 
uh, I have a soft spot for covert intelligence, hacking, mm-hmm. spy movies, and that really interested me. Sort of complex, rich storytelling uh, that. You know that has a sort of, and, and I think Sam wanted someone with cinematic storytelling sensibilities, which is why I think he approached me. I think he liked uh, a couple of pieces of music that I'd written for another project, and thought that I had the um, the skill set or the, the the right emotional outlook on what he was looking for. So in turn, we draw from all. We I drew up a musical mood board of lots of directions that we could uh, go in. Um, there were noir references, sort of modern classical music. Uh, and normally with my scores, I tend to bring in a whole host of influences, you know, electronics and samples and uh, orchestral elements and live uh, musicians as well, all sorts of different forms of music. And with this, we decided that And I wanted to make a conscious effort to not have any electronics whatsoever. I wanted this to be pure and unfiltered and just uh, just have pure orchestral elements. So that was the kind of framework that I set myself. And Sam was very much in tune with that, and he wanted a modern orchestral score. Mm. And because the nature of the game is very intimate, we wanted... Uh, it's, it's all about, as much as it is about telling lies and everyone's duplicitous and lying to one another, and there are lots of different multifaceted characters, we wanted to keep... Keep it warm and intimate because you feel when you're watching uh, the videos uh, and there's over t- nearly 10 hours worth of film footage here to, yeah. to wade through. Um, you're, you're entering into private conversations where you're not meant to be. You're not meant to be privy to this sort of like hidden covert sort of surreptitious, you know, video uh, conversations and um and so we wanted the music to be intimate and warm. So we listened to a lot of music, uh, and I threw and and because there are four main characters, obviously there are a lot more characters in the in the in the game, but there are four core characters. We decided to have one theme for each character. You know, you have a lot of video games where you have hours and hours of music, and there's a reason for that, and that's fine, you know. But here, because there's so much dialogue going on, we d- we thought, well, in there's a parallel between, you know, having so much dialogue and and people on screen talking. It's like film or a, or a play. You don't want to intrude too much with the music yeah. on, you know, the finer details of what you're meant to be paying attention to. We don't want to intrude on the dialogue so much. So we thought, well, let's not have wall-to-wall music. <laughs> let's have a limited amount of music with lots of silence, because silence is also very important uh, in how you perceive a scene and how you, you know, your experience uh, is very different. So we... Um, had a limited amount of music uh, and and thought, okay, let's have one theme per character. And um, so he listened to a lot of music and then I made notes. Sam, I, I had a script to work for, which was another big challenge. Yeah. Um, 
I'm normally used to working to uh, watching visuals. I'm very visually inspired. Right. And, and uh, you know, you put a film in front of me and I it will inform me in one way creatively. Whereas if you if you say if you give me a written brief or a verbal brief and say, well, I want music to feel like this or to be like that, um, that I have my imagination can run right and I can come up with all sorts of go off on all sorts of weird and strange tangents <laughs> so so you have to find a way of constraining it somehow otherwise you can go in so many different directions so one parameter was to have uh, an intimate orchestral sound another parameter was to not have so much music but to have a theme for each character and because each character is very duplicitous so there are different aspects to their personality right. as we are all multifaceted as human beings the challenge was to create to represent a whole human being with one piece of music. If you look at the newspaper and you go to the obituary section and uh, uh, you have, uh, you know, someone's life is summed up in uh, 150 words or you go to a, you go to a funeral mm. and you've got someone there and their epitaph and someone's uh, summarizing a whole human being's life in, you know, in two minutes. I think, God, that is someone's life, you know, 60, 70 years and, or whatever. Mm. And, and, and that's the closest that I can get to describing the challenge that I had was to describe, to represent a character in one piece of music and all their flaws and, and, um, and aspects to, their, to them as a human being and all their traits and uh, in, you know, moments. So that was a challenge. So we took on all these musical playlists and listened to lots of music and then and then i threw it all away <laughs> because because you don't want to plagiarize you don't want to copy i just wanted to soak in a lot of different um aspects to music and think what can i take from this um to help me sort of hone it down so um so then i started to write a theme and ran it past sam i'd sort of go backwards and forwards not very much i mean there was a lot of internal editing going on before I, you know, I, I wrote quite a few ideas before I was happy with uh, a character's theme. And then I'd send it to Sam and say, okay, what do you think of this? And, um, and, and Sam is very, very descriptive, but because he doesn't come from a traditional film background, mm. his way of looking at things come from a real left field tangent uh -huh. and so there was this interesting the, the communication this sort of the language that he used to describe things would um not throw me but it took me a while to get inside sam's head hmm. to understand you know the the, com the the language that he was using and how to interpret that into music so i uh, you know he described something to me um and it, and i had to get lots and lots of notes on characters and and of course i had a big script to work on i had um, a several hundred page script to work from which was <clears throat> really useful so as i was writing uh, on my uh, logic computer software i'd have all the notes up on the screen and i'd i'd distill the essence of each character down into just two or three lines sometimes and just inhabit what what's in inhabit the character so uh for me i 
the way that I can do justice and be truthful to the character is to totally inhabit their personality and sort of live them, get inside their head, mm. which is um, which is quite you know quite uh, quite an ordeal. <laughs> I was going to say, is it, it sounds almost like uh, the actor's process here, where you often talk about. Uh, performers who uh, create entire backstories that weren't in the original script. Did you yes. do that to an extent? Yeah. Workshop yeah. their their previous before the game lives with Sam. Well, what? Yes. What What happened was Sam was so thorough in detail that he'd wrote a backstory for each character that. Uh-huh. You know, I, I knew what their favorite food was as a child and what music they liked to listen to right, and, right. you know, stuff that that isn't even in the game. No. But to for him to be able to um, create these personalities, create these human beings, he needed to know everything about them. Yeah. So he, he wrote so much uh, that helped him inform him, you know, to get to where we are in the game because the game takes place over a two-year period and you're dipping into videos over a two-year period. So the relationships between the characters do change and evolve. But you may come in, you know, you may watch a clip that's happening now and then you may suddenly watch another clip that's happening six months prior. Yeah. But in terms of um, that sort of process, it really helped me understand the personalities when Sam would give me um, in-depth character notes, you know, going back in history and in time. So that was really, really useful. Um, so, yeah, it is very much like, um, I mean, my approach to, generally my approach to um, writing music is, a, is is the equivalent of method acting. And yeah. um, sadly, a lot of my projects tend to be about very dark subjects. Mm, so, I noticed that. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I inhabit a very dark world when I'm in my studio. But, you know, as soon as I'm out of the studio, I'm sort of chirpy and happy. And I, it's not like me as a human. I'm not like that as a human being. But I do tend to gravitate towards stories that uh, have a lot of rich, complex complexities about them and and i and i like and as a composer i'm very much um i have to be a mind reader to get inside the director's head or in this case sam's mind for what he's how he envisages the world of telling lies and these characters but also you're a psychoanalyst as well because you're having to understand the human psyche and and relationships and understand people um, because for me, that's the only way I can be truthful to the story that I'm trying to write the music for. The, because the music is the music in any project is the um, unspoken character, the character that doesn't have any words. I'm not very good with words, but I feel that I'm relatively au fait with being able to translate emotions into music. And that's what we had to do here. Yeah, I was going to say to our listeners who uh, may not know your name from games because there's been a this 20-year gap, but mm-hmm. uh, almost everyone listening to this has probably heard some of your work. You've got an extraordinary CV of over 113 credits or something on IMDb, including a lot of uh, a lot of TV and film documentary in particular that people will have seen. If you've ever seen Sue Perkins off on an adventure or <laughs> Trevor McDonald in South Africa, you've heard some of Nanita's music. Yeah, I do a lot of um over the years i've done 
Oh, gosh, uh, it makes me feel ancient. Um, hundreds of, <laughs> uh, no, it's all right, Leon, uh, hundreds of documentaries, uh, yeah. sort of heavy, heavyweight uh, landmark documentaries. I've done a lot of natural history, wildlife mm. um, yeah. for the BBC, natural history unit, uh, and working, you know, on David Attenborough programs too. Um, a lot of police cop uh, shows uh, yeah. like Police Interceptors and Road Wars, which used to be on Sky, and uh, a lot of um, yeah, a lot of stuff for BBC Two, and also big feature docs as well. Mm. So I scored something uh, I'm really quite proud of the the Confessions of Thomas Quick, which is a mm. a big feature about Sweden's most notorious serial killer. Yeah. Um, so that that was that was fun. It really was fun to write for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, all sorts of uh, unusual projects as well and i like to work on projects that are very um that are edgy sort of try to engage people in a fresh and different way so i for example i wrote a documentary musical for the bbc which oh. was a, a hybrid genre bending project where you had ordinary people talking to camera and uh talking about their lives um to camera and then suddenly they'd burst into oh, songs yes, i remember this yeah <laughs> and uh, that was very um that was very immersive and very different to work on yeah but i mean for for me i mean i think that the whole you know with games and i mean i i was a big fan of netflix's um, black mirror bandersnatch episode mm. yeah. which you know it's the first time where i've seen something edging towards yeah this is coming into the mainstream now you know uh, interactive movies non-linear live action fmv and that really excites me because you know, coming from a film and TV background and working on linear stuff where you're going from left to right, so to speak, you're that can be a little bit. There comes a point when I've done a lot of soundtracks with the left to right narrative of mm -hmm. this is how it's going to sound, however many times you watch it, and nothing's ever going to change, and that can be become start becoming a little bit staid and and predictable. And, and there's this inbuilt frustration that comes from the fact that these days it's possible to have a different experience with the same material arranged in a different way. So in that regard, telling lies is very experiential because everyone's experience is going to be different because you're not expected to watch all the footage and watch all the material. Um, you don't have to, to, to have some kind of mm. meaningful experience at the when you reach the end of the game from your two or three hours or however long you play it so that for me is quite exciting um and there are two challenge uh, two sort of challenges that really excite me i mean i like putting myself on every project i don't like to repeat myself i like mm. trying new and different styles of music yeah. new and different types of projects and one is the compositional challenge, which because, you know, when I work on something and I don't know how to do it, that that re that can make that can really scare you. Uh, it is a very scary thing, but at the same time, it's very exciting and it's a positive thing. I think you have to I, I like to embrace challenges and scary um, uh, projects that where I've never done it before because that's where I, I think that's where you do your best work mm. um, and then the other side is the technical challenge um, because the challenge that I set myself was okay I'm going to write um, for want of a better word a modern neoclassical score mm -hmm. uh, which is what we've 
kind of got here, if you want to put it into a stylistic box. But I, we did have technical challenges in implementing the music. Um, and I wrote it in a very modular way, in a sort of a kind of a traditional uh, games music structure where I wrote in layers and stems and I wrote in modular blocks, which means that I wrote a five and a half minute theme for each character and each theme was then divided up into six or seven chunks six or seven uh, lego blocks and each of those lego blocks a b c d e f g h was could be placed in any order so that what you think is the beginning of the piece could work at the end uh, and so on and so sounds complex to somebody who doesn't know how to compose yeah so that but the the problem there is that you know music can start to sound uh loopy you know it can have lots of loops and and that's one of the ingrained um forms of game music that it has to be adaptive and dynamic and change with what the gamer is doing so the challenge for me was to write a piece of music that flowed no matter what order you played all those blocks in that had a beautiful narrative creative um linear flow against a non-linear structure so that was quite uh an interesting challenge to me and so on the soundtrack when you listen to the music you think okay this flows as a piece of music from a to g but within the context of the game, it doesn't, and and hopefully it still works. Uh, so I wrote a theme for each character, and the other thing was not to have so much music in the game, because when you do have, when you do hear the music and it creeps in on you without you realising it, it it has an impact, and and because each character has a duality to them, a duplicitous quality, the music had to have that duplicitous quality as well. So, for example, there's one piece called Intimacy, and the character has a dance not a physical dance but a mental uh, dance between this character and uh, the main protagonist of the game and it's it's like a waltz it's um, it's a perverse intoxicating waltz and it's uh, this character is like a courtesan in all her finery and so that's the main loop that's the main bulk of that theme uh, of intimacy and yes it is very intimate and so there's a lot of subterfuge going on and there's a lot of dishonesty and honesty you don't know quite what to believe and 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 she projects a side of her personality that she projects to the world and she you know that that's that aspect but then we come into the hidden loop um and when you're going down the rabbit hole and you're digging a little bit beneath the surface then you have the other side of her personality coming through where we come out of this magical fairy tale waltz world and we we come down with a thump into reality 
we hit the ground with reality and it's slightly less artful and it's slightly more clumsy and it's like a clumsy version of the main section that you've been listening to and and sam was great with his uh, very visually descriptive analogies he'd say i want this to sound like joyless sex you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um so i thought yeah okay so that's an example of you know <laughs> sam's language i thought yeah i like that and i love that about him you know that uh, that how he describes things to me because he made it so um so visual you know think yeah okay i'm imagining it i'll write something that sounds like joyless sex with this theme <laughs> so um so that was yeah that was quite fun and uh, and it's one of my favorite pieces uh, intimacy
Uh, the, so- the sounds of joyless <laughs> sex there from the meter design telling lies uh, from Sam Barlow's new game, of course. Now, also, as we have a composer with us, we've asked Nanita to kindly pick some other tracks from other games that she likes. And the yeah. first one of those we're going to listen to is from Monument Valley 2, which is another game that uh, lives primarily uh, on handheld devices, Android and iOS, mm-hmm. a highly rated game. And uh, this is a lovely piece. So you're talking about incorporating electronica into work. And obviously there's some here from Todd Baker. Yes, I love it. I love Todd's work on this game. I think uh, the two are seamlessly integrated together. I think that uh, what us two do and and Monument Valley as a brand, you know, one and two, uh, just beautiful architectural puzzles. Um, uh, I just, I, I think they're stunning works of art. And I think that the score overall, I think the approach just matches perfectly to the visuals you couldn't get a better style yeah i I love the glitchy sounds i love the um i'm just sort of listening to it myself uh, as we talk about it it's um yeah i mean what i like about this style of music and, and just music for games or any project in particular is that the music can stand alone on its own right and you can just listen to it and enjoy it as an experience sure. and i i have a soft spot for this particular for todd's score on this because it's something that I, it's a style that i'd love to write in and i've not yet written in um mm. so um yeah I, I, it's very organic even though it's electronic um it's very organic and its choice there's a lot of space there's a lot of gentleness there and um and i think the game is about the relationship between a mother and a child as well so there's a lot of warmth there uh it's fresh it's different uh i really like the sound and music aesthetic on this
So that was Impossible Worlds by Todd Baker from The Impossible Worlds of Monument Valley 2. Mm-hmm. Still play that on uh, Android and iOS. It's been out a couple of years now. Now, uh, and Nanita's next pick, you were talking about writing for individual characters, pieces for characters that describe their whole being. Now, the game Quantic Dream's recent Detroit Become Human, uh, they took a whole other approach by having different composers for different yeah. characters. Yes, yes. Um, and I, I love the whole score for this. You know, all three composers mm. did an exceptional job uh, writing for these characters. And uh, I'm picking on Philip Shepard's beautiful score because I know his work as a cellist. And I actually I saw I actually saw him perform this live on stage, uh, where he gave this wonderful demonstration of how he wrote the theme for this. And I was blown away by he's he's very true to himself. He's a he's a great cellist. He does also these live looping techniques, and that's how he came up with the theme for Detroit become human uh, for Kara here so there's a lot of um, uh, he sort of plays he plays the cello he records it then he will loop it and he'll play on top of himself and layer it again and again and that's how he comes up with this sort of this theme for a uh, very human emotional strong emotive lyrical theme for Kara Thank you. 
That's Cara's Song of the Lost Girl by Philip Shepard, cellist from Detroit Become Human, the game that turned our Jay, editor Jay, uh, around on Quantic Dream as a whole. Um, and I wonder if the music played something of a part in his, uh, in his coming round to David Cage's work. <laughs> Next up, we have another piece from Telling Lies. Now, it's another piece we can we can say the name of the track is Order, but uh, what we mustn't do for the sake of spoilers is give anything away. Uh, but you can tell us, uh, Nanita, a little bit about uh, this one. And um, I was wondering, what's your actual process as a composer? We've had many, many composers on over the years, and they tell me that they start in a different place. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it you sit at a desk with a blank manuscript and wait for something to come through the ether or do you sit at the piano or something else entirely? I have four giant computer screens in front of me, like the star cockpit of the Starship Enterprise. Fantastic. (laughs) And yet I will pick up a guitar and start playing. Guitar, okay. Yeah, no, I I, I have, um, I like to keep things fresh. I mean, my default mode is to sit uh, with a keyboard in front of my computer screens and hope that that a bolt of inspirational right. lightning will strike. But the problem with doing that is that you can become rather staid in your the ways that you're, you know, you're being creative. And so I have various zones in my studio which force me to write and be creative in different ways. So I have a wall of acoustic instruments where I'll pick up an instrument, even if I can't play it terribly well, I'll just pluck and bang and scrape whatever right. I can uh, just to get the sound out and that forces me to it just keeps me fresh and uh, and informs me in a different way or I will pick up a guitar and I'll uh, strum a few chords and record it uh, sort, of, sort of bad playing but then but it helps me get ideas down because it's all about ideas um, that's you know, and, and being fresh with ideas. Uh, you don't. You. I mean, I have a, a lovely studio full of gear, and yet I don't. Um, it's not about that. You know, it, it's a, it's all about the creativity and how to get that sort of inspirational. I mean, I'll I'll be in the shower. I'm a shower singer, or I'll find my best ideas when I'm in the car on my own driving and I start singing. So I'll keep um, my iPhone. I'll sing ideas into my voice memos into right. iPhone yeah. and listen to it back in the studio and get them down because you have to. It's all about the magic of getting your I, creative ideas down as fast as possible. So as much as I love technology and I have all the, you know, I have all the trappings of, of the latest technologies, mm. uh, for me, it's about breaking down the barriers between technology and creative ideas and getting those creative ideas down as fast as possible when inspiration strikes you. Um, so I have something called, for example, uh, the Roly Keyboard uh, it's a Roly seaboard, actually, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's like um, it looks like a keyboard. I was one of the f- one of the first people in the country to get one. It's this eight octave, huge sort of uh, jelly like seaboard keyboard, and and when you push down on it, you can get expression, and um, it's it's like rubber. It's like playing rubber. Uh, it's uh, really um, like putting your hands into jelly almost. So I love sort of new technologies like that. Um, so going back to order mm. uh, and the theme here, there are a lot of interweaving string lines in this piece and there are lots of string slides 
because they represent the slippery, dark, mysterious side to this character. The main aspect to this personality is that uh, they're very, actually very lonely and sad. And Sam wanted the piece to have a sense of momentum and purpose to it. And the visual analogy that he gave me was that it should be like a figure walking out across the ice in an empty landscape, crossing to the other side. Or it could be like a cowboy tracking his nemesis across the desert until he reaches the campfire at night. So, so you get my, you get, you get the drift about, you know, these very visual analogies and they would be so helpful when I was writing uh, the theme. But then when we dig beneath the surface uh, with the character, their violent tendencies rise to the surface and you don't realize this. So there's a lot of duplicitous um, conflicting emotions going on that the music had to represent. It was sort of like a bittersweetness. You know, there's a there's a dark side and a light side to every human being. And that's what I was trying to bring out with, uh, with all of them, including, uh, you know, these aspects in order.
Next up, we have a pick from uh, local to me, I always like to say, because she lives uh, in the same town. We go to the same football team, uh, even though sure. we haven't had her as a guest on Jessica Curry. She's now probably uh, over the years of we've been doing the show about five years now. And uh, of all the composers we've had on, there have been certain picks uh Gary Scheiman and Gustavo Santolaya and things like that but I think of the recent composers we've had on one of the most popular selections is something from Jessica Curry and never have any complaints because everybody's gone to the rapture it's just such a astonishing soundtrack and it's obviously one that uh, yeah in Nanita's case another esteemed composer it stood out to you as well I'm a huge fan of Jessica and I've had the pleasure of meeting her a few times and she's just a wonderful tour de force within uh, a fresh voice within games music. My only problem with her is that she's not prolific enough. (laughs) (laughs) She's, um, uh, you know, she's, you know, every, every score that she writes for a game is just hits the nail on the head. And what I like about her music is that she's also very true to herself. She, she has the unique distinct voice. I love her choral work in in this uh, and in this particular track, especially towards the latter half of the track. It's just beautiful writing, and I think that I'm so so happy that she she's getting this career outside of games as well and i mm-hmm. and i think and i hope that she's writing she's got commissions for classical commissions you know and and, yeah. and she gets a lot of radio play as well so yes. i really admire her and uh, and her tenacity and her and her how brave she is in terms of being true to her musical voice within this Within an industry where people have, you know, we, you know, especially in in the world of film and TV, we have to conform and conform to people's expectations of what you're expected to write for a score. And you know, she's. I'm not sure the details, but I think you know, she actually created. A, she's created games to work around her music. In kind of in reverse so um so yeah this is just exceptional beautiful intelligent writing i really respond to considered music that's very considered and um and intelligent writing uh, you know like like todd baker's is a very different style um it's sort of electronic ambient uh, music and here you know we have very thoughtful music and that's something that i try and strive for with my with my own music as well
that was, of course, unmistakably Jessica Curry from Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, All the Earth. We covered Everybody's Gone to the Rapture in our sister podcast, Kana Rintz, issue 251, for a deep dive into that game from the Chinese Room and Sony, of course. Now, track seven is also from Telling Lies, the new Sambalo game, uh, released by Annapurna. You can play it on your PC or your Mac or your iOS handheld device. I don't know. I'm, I would imagine an Android version is coming further down the line and maybe some other. Maybe we could even get this over onto console as well. But mm, well, Hold that thought. There's, okay. uh, But I, I can't say anything, but uh, I don't know for certain. But, I mean, just uh, keep an eye on it. <laughs> cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, 100 hours of footage were apparently filmed for the game with around 10 making up the final experience. But of course, it depends which uh, hour or two of those 10 you get, depending on your choices and uh, your route through the game. But how many, um, We obviously we're, we're delighted to be sharing a, a decent chunk of the, the OST here today. Uh, but how many minutes did you actually compose and did you did you have to, um, did you excise 90% of it as, as Sam did with the video? <laughs> well, believe it or not, I wrote less than 30 minutes of music for the game. <laughs> wow. Uh, which is very, which is the reason why every I made every note count. There's mm. a reason for every note in the score, and it's a very considered score. But um, th- what we did in the recording session was quite unusual, which enabled us to get more music um, out of the game. So in the recording session. First of all, I, I brought in the London Contemporary Orchestra, the LCO. Uh-huh. And, uh, that was one of my next questions. Who did who did you work with? Uh, well, I worked with Hugh uh, Hugh Ames, uh, who's uh, co-founder of the orchestra, and I I sort of wrote the music with them in mind because they have a very unusual. Uh, we had a very unusual sort of collaboration uh, and very creative coll- collaboration. It, they're not just guns for hire. They're not an orchestra where you could just hire session musicians and go to Abbey Road or Air Studios and they will play uh, for you. What? Mm-hmm. Yes, they do that, but they do more than that. Um, and one of the reasons I employed them is because because I wanted to bring this um, very visceral uh, quality to the music. Um, the characters in the game, uh, y- there's a lot of intimacy there. And so uh, in the game itself, when you're watching the scenes, you have two sides to a conversation. And as the gamer, you only ever get one side of that conversation. You don't see the other side. And part of the joy is finding clips and piecing it together. And you suddenly, mm. when you hit upon the other side of the conversation, it's like a eureka moment. And, and you know, you unravel, piece together various clues. So there's a lot of silence. And you're watching someone reacting to someone else speaking, but you don't know what those other words are. So you, then that forces you as a gamer to focus on the the visual nuances in eyebrows being eyebrows being lifted or right. little twitches in person's face and and their expressions changing. And so those details are something that I wanted to reflect. Uh, in the music score, and I wanted because it's an intimate relationship with this, these characters. I wanted you to hear the actual relationship between the musician and their instrument. So we, the LCO are great at that because 
they have there's a very rough visceral edgy grittiness to the score uh, yes it's smooth on the one hand but you can actually hear every, you can hear the relationship between the musician and their instrument and you can hear the sound of the bow hitting the strings yeah, and sure. that was that was like a subconscious reflection of the intimacy the visual intimacy in the game and the dialogue in the game and the LCO are very used to collaborating uh, with Johnny Greenwood, for example, on right. his scores for Phantom Thread and You Are Never yeah. Really Here and uh, Mika Levy's score for Jackie. And um, that was something I, when I presented it to uh, Sam, he was jumping up and down with joy because he got it and he thought, yes, this is, this is the approach we want. And um, so when I wrote a theme for the character, all the themes for the characters, and Sam had approved them all, we then went into the studio. Uh, I orchestrated it, and we went into the studio. Uh, and conductor Hugh Brunt, who leads the orchestra, was he conducted the score. And it was their first game score as well. So they used oh. to they used to um, uh, performing a lot of. Uh, film and TV scores, but this was their first video game score, so they were. So it took them. Uh, it took a little bit of time in this in the session for them to get their heads around the process because uh, I'd write um, each of these little blocks of music in a theme yeah. had to be. Um, recorded separately because I needed flexibility when I was technically, I when I was implementing the music. So they, they thought, okay, we'd sort of get in and write, we'd, we'd play 30 seconds and then we'd stop the music and say, okay, that's done. And they thought, yeah, but we're just getting into it. You know, we want to, in getting into this piece of music. And so, yeah, but that's not how we're actually going to be working it into the game. So that was, that was quite fun to explain to them. And they forgave uh, you. They, they, oh, yeah. Mad. Well, they thought, yeah, I said, trust me, it's going to work out fine, guys, you know. And, and eventually they got into the swing of it and that was fun. But the other reason for me to employ them was that even though I was writing a limited number of minutes of music um, what they're very good at is they're good at improvising so we recorded the music as you hear it in the game uh, as as Sam as I'd written the piece of music and then when we'd done all that when we'd recorded everything we then did a bit of a semi-improvisational session where we recorded alternative versions and uh, we, we tried out extended techniques and modern classical uh, recording techniques, for example, um, sort of weird and wonderful stuff. So using the instrument in an unconventional way. So, so for example, we do something called spectral scrubbing um, where uh, the bow is just just about sort of floating on the surface of the string and it's uh, it's it's sort of you're hearing these strange harmonics and uh, there's and it's playing near the bridge of the instrument and it sounds all floaty and light and airy and and there's a sort of like a, a grittiness uh, but an airiness to it as well and so it created a very evocative we created lots of evocative different atmospheres um, and so they you you hear the you'll hear a piece of music but then we've got all these different 
optional extra ways with that we recorded them with these semi-improvisational techniques so that when you hear a piece in the game and then you hear it again later on you may think you're hearing the same piece of music but there's a slightly different way to the way it, you hear it there's a slightly different mix and so we were trying optional sort of version a's and version b's and all sorts of different things so for example we have six different intros musical introductions to yeah. a theme and so it so that way we got around the fact that we didn't want it to be too repetitive because every time you hear it there's a slightly different nuanced version of that same piece of music um it's like someone saying hello six different times yeah you know that so that was that was quite an interesting um process that we tried out and it was a way of i mean i i've got a degree in mathematics and um, uh-huh. and so when I approach writing music, I do it. I have a. I love numbers. I love the beauty of numbers, and I was really into fractal design and uh, the wave equation. And uh, that was I, my postgraduate thesis was in the um, sound synthesis and the wave equation, and it was really mm. some geeky, nerdy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and but uh, but. I, I like chaos and order, and the two sort of sit side by side. So when I'm from a from a uh, from a mental point of view, when I write a piece of music, I, there needs to be a an innate balance to it, and so there needs to be a lot of order as well when I'm writing in my mind for there to so that I can allow so my my studio is very neat and tidy because there's a lot of order to it but then that allows for the chaos to go on inside my mind when I'm writing music because it's a very instinctive emotional um, process and and in the same way when we recorded the score the score, the music is very considered and it's very accurate and it's very detailed. It's always quite perfectionist um, in the way it's structured and, and written. But when we recorded it, we I allowed there to be a lot of chaos in the recording session so that we could get um, a fresh, visceral, edgy feel to the music. I don't know if that makes sense, Leon. Um, but, you know, it's sort of get, getting the two to sit side by side, which was quite – and it keeps the musicians on their toes and it keeps them excited and and, and happy in the session. And, it was, and it's a fun atmosphere. And sometimes we went way off uh, and were too experimental and it didn't work, but there was a happy media middle ground. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, you're trying things out. You don't know whether they're going to work or not, but it's fun trying it. So that was a really, really interesting process that I wanted to bring into the score, which I think is quite unique and not really been done before. Thank you. 
Control from Telling Lies by my guest Nanita Desai. Anything in particular you wanted to say about that uh, piece of the soundtrack? That's uh, it's, uh, one of the other longer pieces, six minutes. Yes, so uh, Control is, well, the main uh, experience of this theme, the main personality of the theme is it's quite introverted and this person can't trust other people people after various betrayals and so the the analogy that uh, Sam gave me was is that this character is like a delicate flower that's been brought back to life uh, it's quite tentative it's quite cautious there's a sense of sadness holding this character back and this visual analogy was that it's imagine a wounded animal that's very wary of kindness Okay, it's like a deer on on the heath, and uh, and this young deer, and it's injured itself. But if you go near it to try and help it, it will sort of flinch away from you and be a little bit unsure because it doesn't know whether it it can trust you or not. So it says it all. <laughs> so right. that's that's the emotion that I had to get across in the piece. But when you dig beneath the surface with the hidden uh, section of the theme this character then opens up and there's a lot of warmth and confidence to it so that so the animal does then trust you when it when you offer it help but there's a duplicitous quality to the hidden loop because you've still got this other character there as a predator preying upon upon this uh upon the control character so there's mm. this um yeah it's it's quite uh it's yeah, there's there's a lot of sort of subtext going on underneath, uh, which is quite interesting. I'm sure uh, the listener will be intrigued to uh, to get hold of the game and uh, and see how that all plays out for themselves if they haven't already. And next pick, penultimate track for this sound of play is uh, the final selection by other composers, and it's a friend of the show. We had uh, an hour and a half or something with Kevin, Kevin Penkin, back in Sound of Play 183, which was our pleasure. And yeah, so we're very happy that you've picked uh, a piece which I don't think he chose himself for that one. So this is uh, Happy Together from Florence. Mm. Uh, Kevin's music is, and Florence the game is beautiful. Uh, it's so fresh and different um what i love about the score is again like uh, all the others that i've chosen they're very they work as standalone music in their own right i it, it's such an easy game to play uh you know i, I played it on my uh, on my iphone iphone and i couldn't put it down i was actually on the um jury for the bafta best video games uh um right. earlier this year I think, um, and uh, I was a huge champion of this score. I just think that the game is beautiful, and I th- uh, and it's about a cellist, someone who plays a cello mm-hmm. as well, and it's just integrated in a very clever way. Um, obviously, the, the cello is the lead instrument uh, in the score, one of the lead instruments. It's um, it's very intelligent writing. Um, it's it's just an exquisite score. It's not like your average video game score as well um a lot of these pieces i think i've chosen come from game music in a very different way uh, i mean i admire a lot of game music out there there's some beautiful work there's some incredible 
composing and huge endeavors you know writing hours and hours of music you know um you know uh, bear mccreary is another composer that i admire god of Mm. war you know all assassin's creed all these Mm. big triple a games they're they're phenomenal in their achievements technically and creatively when it comes to the music and the games but um i'm really sort of tuned into something that's not so big and bombastic um, necessarily, but something that's a little bit more subtle in um, um, it sounds as though I'm doing a disservice to all those type of games. I'm not far from it, but I just wanted to find, I'm, I'm sort of interested in in game music that's doing something really different and bringing a different aesthetic to, uh, to the gamer. And I think Absolutely. that Florence does that ever so well, you know, and it's and it's it's about human relationships. Uh, it's like a lesson in uh, charting the progression of a of the course of a relationship, and the music does that exceptionally well. It's really, it's a chamber sound. It's just a small handful of instruments uh, on limited resources. But it's really intelligent and very sophisticated writing and very emotionally mature as well, um, which I've not um, I've not heard that on a game score before. Uh, it's it's uh, phenomenal writing. Happy Together by Kevin Penkin, former guest. As I say, check out Sound of Play 183. He was an absolute delight, as is his music. So we're going to conclude this show uh, with uh, one more piece from Telling Lies by my guest, Nanita. Before we do, though, it would be remiss of me, especially as somebody who's been into games for a very long time. I can't not ask you. I've I've realised, looking on Moby Games... Uh, my first encounter with your work is actually 1996 playing Pro Pinball the Web (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Any memories of those, those times at Empire Interactive? Yeah, well, I was a freelance composer, and uh, Simon Jeffries, I think it was, who's uh, the company director of Empire Interactive, introduced me to a lot of the games developers that uh, were working, f- producing games for him. Uh, one of which was Rowan Software up in Lun- uh, Runcorn near Liverpool, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and I did some uh, World War II uh, flight simulators, um, and another one I update your moby games profile yeah oh gosh okay um (laughs) i worked on monopoly uh world world cup monopoly that's so good you're truly an eclectic career (laughs) i mean uh yeah um what else did i do uh gosh and then of course strategio Strategio, yes uh sheep i worked on uh sheep which was for nintendo playstation one yeah um so that was that was good fun uh writing some some really wacky eclectic themes for that and then of course pro pinball i created a whole bunch of sound effects for it all the sounds and uh yeah so um so that was uh yes (laughs) they the i mean it was it was short it was a short period of time quite in in, yeah less yeah around about a couple of years where i was sort of really heavily into it and then um and then i'm not clear what happened with uh, Empire Interactive. I think he mm. sold sold the company on, and um, the games industry was really evolving quite rapidly. As it, yes. I mean, having come into it now, you know, all this years later, it's changed so much, and it's a it's a constantly evolving industry. Um, who knows where we're going to be in five years time, ten years Absolutely. time, and and that's what excites me about this industry is that things have progressed so much and it's such an amazing uh, arena to work in i mean we may look at her story or telling lies in a few years time and think gosh that is so dated and old-fashioned mm. <laughs> but it's groundbreaking i think you know and that's what's excited about exciting yeah. about working on these kinds of projects is that you know at any point in time you're working on something that then may become a cult classic who knows <laughs> um but yeah i mean my my gaming my first game that i ever played i remember was um well i played sonic hedgehog space invaders on the atari consoles yeah. uh used to go to my best friend's house because i couldn't afford my parents couldn't afford an atari yeah. console so we yeah, used to same. go to her house and uh, and I used to while away many an afternoon playing uh, <laughs> on those games um, and uh, I had my first computer I think was a PC it was an Amstrad PC uh, right. uh, before I got into Macs uh, which I've been using for the last over the last 20 years but uh, I was playing um, what was I think it was a Bond video game it was about uh, oh yeah uh, uh, something like live and let die or something i can't remember mm-hmm. which one now mm-hmm. but um but yeah uh so so then um sonic and spyro uh with my yeah. stepdaughter i used to play uh games for her i bought her a playstation and of course lara croft the yeah. f- original lara croft game Some which fabulous uh, music from nathan mccree in that one absolutely yes so so yes so <laughs> I'd be up till three or four in the morning uh, playing Lara Croft, and then formative. and then I then I yes formative education, and then uh, and then my career digressed, and I um 
got <laughs> immersed into the world of linear film and television uh, so yeah it's great 20, to be just a, just a 21 year gap not too many people on moby games with a 21 year sort of void in their credits and one could be forgiven for thinking if you did if you didn't then go over to wikipedia or imd imdb or whatever uh that you'd just been you know busy um but, <laughs> but you had well you kind of had uh with 113 tv and movie scores um is uh, d- any more games lined up in your future or is one every two decades <laughs> plenty? oh gosh i hope not oh <laughs> i mean i'll be gosh yeah I, yeah i really hope to do to work more in games it's this has really piqued my interest again and um yeah i mean there are there are putting there are a couple of things that may possibly happen um but i can't talk about it but i really but i really hope to work more in this arena um really looking you know it's exciting times and um let's see what the future holds well, we'll hopefully have you back on for future projects. But before we do, we're going to leave our listeners with uh, Dawn, Telling Lies, Dawn, from the game. Uh, is there anything in closing you want to say about uh, this track or the game in general? Um, well, the main theme was interesting. Uh, telling Lies Midnight uh, is the is the main theme. And Telling Lies Dawn closes it, as, closes it all off with the end credits yeah. and is a variation of the main titles. So with the main theme... I knew that I wanted to write something that was very dynamic. It was it was actually the last piece of music to be written after being involved in the game for over eighteen months, uh, and and that was a challenge um, because normally when I'm working on film and TV, I work to very compressed time schedules. I'll work on something very intensely. It can range in any uh, any period of time from five weeks involvement to three or four months, and with, with games you know in particular you know being involved for such a long period of time you're literally living the project you're inhabiting it but the challenge was i'd work on a theme for a couple of months and then i'd have a break for a long time and then getting back into it on and off the project constantly because i was waiting for various things to happen with development as we were progressing there'd be there'd be gaps you know where i wouldn't be working on the game and working on other projects so my mental headspace would be challenged by thinking oh i've got to get back into the game now and immerse myself into the world of telling lies so that that was interesting so once all the music had been written and i'd managed to write all the themes we then tackled the main opening titles and that was um so it was very dynamic a lot of the music's quite mid-tempo quite relaxed and and quite cerebral and here we just wanted to shake things up by keeping the audience on their toes i wanted it to be quite dissonant and have a sense of violence about it and have an unsettling quality so the the rhythm's quite unusual it's the time signature is in seven four which keeps you sort of driving you forward in an unexpected way and um and because there are four main characters there are different things that the strings that the string parts are playing and you mm-hmm. have these interweaving question and answer sort of uh, angular sharp sort of stabs from the strings all responding to one another like the four characters uh, sort of interweaving uh, with one another through the game so um, so with Telling Lies Dawn this was like a real closure and it was uh, like a, a, a more relaxed 
slower version of the main theme, which was really lovely to sort of close the game with. Well, perfect closer for the game and for this podcast. I want to thank you so much, Nanita, for your time and generosity and uh, forthcomingness about the uh, the Telling Lies process and your career in general. Thank you so much, Leon. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Good. No worries. All right. Let's close then with the closing of Telling Lies, Telling Lies Dawn. And we'll see you next time on Sound of Play. <laughs>